0: Everybody, and welcome to the Irish NFL show. It's time for the week 14 preview. So, we have a big weekend ahead, lads. Uh, big race for the playoffs is starting to heat up here, in fairness. Got a couple of teams who could even be booking their places there to the dance. I think you say booking a place to the dance, column. I've heard uh, that's your, your phrase of choice. So, uh, what we have is uh, coming up with seven divisional games, a couple of bit of interest, one of Brady. Going back over to the west coast to face his his boyhood team, uh, and uh, with Tua versus Herbert on the Sunday night football. So there's a there's a fair amount of us to to, to unpack here tonight. Uh, and I should mention also closing out the show tonight, we have an interview with Christoph Pink. He is now. Let me sure, make sure I get this right. Director of quantitative analytics from points bet now that is quite the job and he's obviously points bet's a partner of the irish nfl show and uh, by the way they are hiring for tech roles right now so check out PointsBet.ie. so uh, stick around for that at the end of the show and also just to mention brian and mark who's not with us tonight caught up earlier today to preview uh, the la uh, Raiders game with the so the LA game between the Raiders and the Rams, uh, and you'll be able to catch that wherever you find podcasts. That went out this afternoon already. All right, with that preamble done, uh, let's get down to business. So uh, let's talk about some of these six PM games. The first one we're going to talk about is the big divisional clash in the AFC East. So uh, the Jets are going to face the Bills, and the Jets. Beat the Bills last month uh, in the first matchup. So, I guess the question is, can they do it again? So, maybe, Brian, let's hear your take on it. And I want to hear your pick as well this week.
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting game this weekend. Uh, Jets are in the uh, work hard spots at, in the seventh place, um, having had a difficult loss last weekend against the Vikings. And the Bills are back as the number one seed, potentially number one seed in the AFC, top of the division. You're right, they played each other last month. I think it was early November. Uh, the Jets got the better of them in 2017. In that particular game, I think what the Jets would have to do, did then and would essentially have to do again, is find ways to keep this explosive Bills offense off the field. Uh, the two running backs that day, Robinson, who was traded from the Jags earlier in the season, he had 48 yards and a touchdown. And Carter, their running running back, had 76 yards and, and a touchdown. Run-orientated offense. That might change this weekend. We spoke about on Mike Mo- White uh, on Monday, the the guys were wearing the t-shirts in support of their new quarterback. I kind of challenged that and had a bit of a bit of a yeah. poke at the Jets fans over that. But he did throw for 258 yards in this game last year. Um he had a he kind of he had a poor game in sense. He threw four interceptions. But he, he has put up yards on this team, and this seems to be a team now that wants to move towards a more attacking minded offense. So we'd be interested to see if they change the dynamic of what they did in the game last month. For the Bills, look they've rebounded well since they had two defeats. Uh, won again there last week. They're coming off ten days rest after playing the, the Patriots on a Thursday, and Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, these players have been really explosive. Kind of went off a little bit period during the season when they were losing games, but they've rebounded well. It's a tough one. It generally, uh, people like from a betting perspective, it's quite a, bit, a strong line, nine and a half points. So essentially, what they're saying is the Bills should win by ten or more. I see it's been a little bit closer than that, but I would have to side with the home team. The Bills are arguably the favorite for the Super Bowl they were to start the season, they probably still are. I think they'll find a way to win this game on Sunday and All put right. the Jets in a, in a precarious situation in terms of whether they can make the playoffs in the long run.
0: Okay. So, Bills, you're calling Bills. Very good. Colum, how about you? What's your thoughts on the game and what's your pick?
2: Yeah, Callum, this is a,
0: a, a certainly
2: an interesting game and both teams i think obviously the we're talking burn mentioned the the game uh, a month ago but both teams in Uh, different places now Brian has talked about Mike White and them wearing the the t-shirts but earlier today that kind of feel good factor that they have with Mike White continued Uh, he was doing his um, press conference where the the QB so at least once a week the NFL mandate that the QB has to talk to the media and Mike White was talking and Elijah Moore and Michael Carter uh, both rocked up uh, to interrupt the, the press conference with their own questions and uh, Elijah Moore asked um, Mike White what he thought of the wide receiver room. And Mike White went through each of the wide receivers and pretended to forget about Elijah Moore's existence until the very end. Everyone uh, laughed. Everyone enjoyed it. So del- the the movement, the move away from Zach Wilson and the way in which that has kind of um, energized the, the the locker room is telling. Um, I. I don't think Mike White is the answer for the team long term, but I think what this probably has answered is that Zach Wilson is is not it. And I saw some rumors this week um, that they may be willing to potentially uh, move Zach Wilson on to um, to the Broncos because uh, the the Broncos they could be looking for somebody. Uh, he's on a you know a rookie deal. And uh, plays a similar style uh, to Russell Wilson. Some would say a similar ability to Russ this year as well. Um, but look, this this is, I suppose, how does the Bills... Um, Defense responded. The team responded to the, the news about Von Miller's ACL injury during the week. A huge, huge loss with with Von going out. He was brought in um, really for December, January, February football. That's what they wanted him for. Um, but they they won't have him. I, I think. Yeah, I I think it's one of those games. I really could see. Um, but you know, I I understand Bernie's right that the Bills are favorites, but I re- I can see the Jets going in there and and getting a result. I think Salah has done an excellent job, and I think that the this um, Jets defense is really really good. Um, I I don't believe either that the um, Bills have the running game that the Vikings had last week. The, what does concern me i suppose is the fact that the the bills have had the rest and this is the jets second consecutive road game but i why why not go for it I, i've had it as a coin flip um toss game all week so i'm going to say that robert sala and the jets are going to do the double over the buffalo bills Ooh, all could, right we could, I I could end up looking silly for that with the Bills putting up points, but I think after last week's loss, the Bill the Jets need a win. So I'm gonna say, yeah, they managed to eke one
1: out.
0: Okay, very good, Brian. I saw you itching to say something there. Did you, did you have a, a
1: throwback there? I, I I never got an opportunity to say I'm loving Collins' retro uh, Broncos jumper tonight. Um, yeah, nice. He, he he's thrown me on that when I hadn't heard that that rumor milled around. Zach Wilson potentially going to Denver. What Colin has, has failed to answer or throw into his comments is whether he would be happy with that particular uh, deal. If, if it was no, okay, no, that's clear. Okay. That's, that's a, that's no, a
0: strong Broncos <laughs> shake of the head there. Okay, fair enough. All right, so we have a call for the Jets and we have a call for the Bills. And for what it's worth, uh, I'm going to go for the Bills seeing as that's how I got into American football. I'm not basing it on anything other than that. Jim Kelly I, was I, wasn't I, I, I didn't it.
1: expect, yeah, uh, sorry, I, I know Colin always tends to. We all have games where we see different views, and uh, I just didn't expect this one to be the one. Off straight off the bat, where Colin would be going against against me this week. I tell you,
0: I, all right, right. We get we started in a contrarian way, so let's let's move on to the the AFC North uh, matchup. So we have the Browns going to the Bengals, um, uh, coming off that big win against the Chiefs last week. The Bengals. Um, Now, from what I can see here, it seems the Browns have won the last five times here in this matchup. So uh, what do you think? Can the Bengals break the streak? Maybe I'll go to you first this time, Colm. What do you think?
2: Yeah, this is it's one of those ones, Kala, where you're kind of caught because there are these jinxes that exist within the sports world writ large, I suppose, that certain teams always seem to win no matter how they're playing or what is happening they always seem to to be able to to get the the victory and you would say the browns certainly had a, a lot of luck last weekend because they didn't play particularly well against the texans but the texans you know managed to be their their own worst enemy as you know seem you know recurring team uh, there in Houston um the the, the Bengals are really coming into form at the, the right time. And when you, you look around the league, I think Burrow is playing at a level equal to, to anyone out there at the, the moment. Talked a little bit about it on Monday Night Show. If the Bengals were to win out, that, you know, he could make a late push for that MVP race. Mm. And I'm going to to say that the Bengals realise that, you know, they... They are in with a real shout, potentially if they were to win out of even uh, the the number one seed, though I think that it is unlikely. But I am going to say that Joe Burrow's magic alongside Jamar Chase, alongside T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, will mean that the Bengals manage to
0: uh, stop the Browns from making it six in a row. OK, so Bengals it is. And that topic of who's in the conversation for MVP, I think that's one I'd love to pick up. at another point, because I think there's some interesting ones you've you've even thrown out between Monday and tonight as well. All right, uh, Brian, how about you then? So we have a we have a call for the Bengals. What do you see it that way, or do you see the Browns holding on to it and keeping the streak going?
1: No, I, I'm aligned with Collum on this one. Um, I was quite surprised. Colum is right. You get, get these jinxes in the league as, as we touched on on Monday. Three wins in a row against the uh, the Chiefs in the space of twelve months for this Bengals side. Yeah since Stefanski took over as head coach of the Browns, and he's had some struggles, and he's had some difficult times, and obviously there's been a lot of upheaval there, and then obviously the Sean Watson factor, that he, he was suspended for the first 11 games. Yeah, they played each other all those times in which he's been head coach, he's beat this Bengals side. Uh, column has alluded to the, this explosive offence. Yes, they're one of the best in the league. Right now, they're averaging 271 yards per game. And bearing in mind that Jamari Chase, who's arguably one of the best wide receivers in the league, if second, not second to Justin Jefferson, hasn't played for a number of those games, that says it all. It looks like Joe Mixon, their, their running back, who's been out with concussion. He had five touchdowns in one game last month, and they've, in fairness, they've had uh, Panin that step in and done really well. But he looks like he's going to come back this weekend, so they're getting all the players back on offense and defensively at home. Once they're not getting the sacks we saw last year. 28 in the league on sacks last year at this stage of the season. They were eight and eight in terms of the, the ranking for them. They seem to come together at the right time, collaboratively as a group, defensively and offensively. We've seen real improvements, and I wasn't impressed with the Browns last week. You know, Sean Watson came back. In fairness, he's been he was rusty. He only had 121 yards, but the Browns haven't played really well at all this season. They won the week before that against the Bucks team that gave that game away. I'm struggling to see how they can win this game. The only thing I would say is when they their run game, they've a dynamic run game, two really strong running backs, and when they play together and they they focus on the run. They can, they can keep their offence off the field. In the game which they played on Monday night this season, combined as a unit the two running backs went for 176 yards. And they knocked the stuffing out of Bengals that night. I don't see it that way this time around. I think this Sunday the Bengals finally break the course, essentially, which they've had against the Browns for quite some time, and win this game. Okay,
0: so two two both for the Bengals. That's going to jinx it now, isn't it? um i know how this podcast goes mark,
1: um mark okay is on the bang- mark is on the Bengals as well call <laughs> there you go okay well look I, I,
0: all right uh I'll, just for the sake of non-jinxing i'll say the browns even though i don't have a really dog in this fight but that's okay all right game number three then this is a big one for both of the sides so it's it's the vikings who are 10 and 2 at the moment and they are heading up there to Motor City to to play the Lions, who are on a five and seven record. Now, even despite those records, it was interesting. I saw that the, the Lions are actually the bookies' favorites on this one. Um, so there's a there's an interesting matchup coming here. Um maybe I'll go go back to you straight away, Brian, and and talk talk to me about this one. Where where do you see it going?
1: Yeah, I was surprised to see the Lions' favourite. We spoke highly of the Lions on, on Monday night in terms of how successful they were last weekend and quite successful over the course of the season with their offence. I mean, last Sunday, nine drives, eight touchdowns, and the final drive was them taking the essentially scored in every drive. The punter didn't punt the ball once in the game. And I was looking through little notes and nuggets as to why they're favourites. Um, there was a similar game a few weeks ago when the Vikings were playing the Cowboys. They were home, and the Cowboys yet were favourites, and the Cowboys knocked the stuff in out of the Vikings. The Vikings defensively over the past four games have given up over 400 yards of offence, 486 yards in, in against that, in that Cowboys game as well. The Lions are playing really well offensively, they're bringing J- Jameson Williams back, he's the first round pick last year who was more of a long term play. They took him, they knew he was injured, didn't know when he was going to come back, it looks like he's going to come back this weekend. And we spoke on Monday about the amount of games in which the Vikings have been so close and yet finding ways to get over the line and win them. And it looks like the kind of game where if they have a right matchup against them with an offense that's as explosive as the Lions, they won't, they won't be able to live with the Lions team. But the problem is, it's the coaching for me. Dan Campbell had his best game last weekend as head coach. His defense had his best game since he took over. The game prior to that against the Bills on Thanksgiving Day, that game was there to be won and bad coaching in the last two minutes of the first half and at the end of the game. I know it's not necessarily linked game for game, but you're asking me right now which head coach, I trust. I trust the head coaches in his first year that has a team at 10 and 2, going in despite not being favourites. They played each other in week three of the season, finished 28-24 close game. Similar scenario. Lions had it there to be, to win. The Vikings found a way of pulling it out. I see the same thing on Sunday. I think really close game, high scoring game. I think it will come down potentially to the last score. But I'm siding with the Vikings to go 11 and 2.
2: All right,
0: Vikings, it is. All right, Colum, how about you? What's your take on it?
2: Yeah, this is one um, where, and kudos to Dan Campbell and what the Lions have done, because I um, am very jealous of the Detroit Lions offense. And I wish that my team had an offense that was even half as effective. Uh, The the only uh, concern perhaps for the Lions is that, um, you know, they now... They probably thought I—I I would have imagined that Jared Goff was going to come in. Jared Goff was going to stick around for two years, and then they draft, you know, Jared Ger- Goff's uh, replacement. But Jared Goff might be playing so well that he—he he will take them out of contention for one of those top quarterbacks. And um Jared Goff might be playing so well that they could win this game against the Vikings. Then. Uh, next week, they go on the road to the Jets, depending on how the Jets uh, get on against the, the Bills. That could be that the Jets are on a downer or maybe it's a big emotional game for the Jets. And after that, you know, they, they let their guard down a little bit. The the Lions could be in playoff contention, but there's a long way to, to go to that. Uh, I would say this is I would expect this to be a very high scoring game. Uh, We know the Lions' defense hasn't been great. We've seen them give up an awful lot of points. Mm -hmm. I was uh, in Minnesota to see the Vikings, who were phenomenal on offense, uh, but who did give up a huge number of big plays and uh, who have done that throughout the the season. It will be fun. Uh, Certainly, um, I have little doubt about that. But um, for me, I'm going to... go with the the Vikings as well because the the two losses have been blowout losses and they have been to two teams who I think will go to the the playoffs and there is something about a team that have had so many one score wins and they find ways to win and that is such a transformation from last year under Mike Zimmer it is a game where Lions fans. I would not be surprised if you were to get the the victory in this. And uh, I I wish, as I said, my my team's offense was half as good, or that was going in that sort of direction. Remember that they have um, some uh, their top pick to to come in there as as well, really, and to have the opportunity to um, really get going. So uh, I think there are good days ahead for the Lions. I think the Vikings can get the victory on the road and essentially, you know, lock up
0: completely
2: the division.
0: Very good. All right. So both of you with Vikings. What did Mark call it? Or have we jinxed this one as well, Brian? We have, yeah. Mark is on the
1: Vikings as well. Okay. Teams. So
0: I'll I, arbitrarily, I'll go for the Detroit Lions. So because I remember watching Beverly Hills Cop and uh, uh, Axel Foley had the Detroit Lions jacket. I remember thinking, "That's cool." So that's uh, I'm I'm just going to pick arbitrarily. I I don't have the NFL depth of knowledge as you you guys. So n- you'll know, n- we'll n- see.
1: N- now I know what your Chris Kindle present is going to be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. If you can get me, uh, yeah, Detroit Lions jacket and and a and a Blu-ray of uh, of uh, a <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop, then we're sorted. Yeah. Um, okay, nice one. So we're on to game number four now. So the uh, uh, the hottest team in the NFL, really. We're talking about the Eagles, the eleven and one Eagles, and they are going to play a team. I think you might like, Brian, the Giants, seven four and one. Of course, that one was the tied game from last weekend. Um, so this one's actually Sky are picking this one for their main live broadcast, um, which is telling in and of itself. But um, maybe uh, Brian, you you kick us off here, being the being the fan, uh, you're, you might have a. A blinkered view on this but you might have a more sanguine view give us give us, give us your thoughts
1: I'll, I'll give you an honest opinion before I do okay this, uh, that's,
0: that's, that's the best version I, so I like we, those kind of opinions we started
1: off with a game blue and green in the bills and the jets and columns picked the, J- the green team so I assume for in this game you'll have to go with the blue team to uh, line <laughs> it up um, look I was looking back at last year's games when the joints played the Eagles because Jalen Hurts <coughs> excuse me the uh, the quarterback the Eagles has had a fantastic season and we're talking about MVP He's right up there, and Column has been on. This, as we said on Monday, Column has been on the Jalen Hurst train for quite some time. And I remember games last year where he wasn't as good, and the Giants in particular held him down for three quarters in the four quarters in the first game, and three and a half quarters in the second game. And back then, he didn't have the players around which he has now, such as AJ Brown, who we spoke about on Monday, going off from that big number against the Titans last year. But collectively as a group, they've come to come together. Yeah, he's having a great season, but all the wide receivers are having a great season. Goddard, the tight end, is injured and forced at the moment. He was having a great season. Running backs and Sanders. Bart Scott, obviously, he's played well against the Giants. He seems to be coming in and out of the team. And offensive line this season has really improved. Kelsey's the main man there. He's holding that all together. and He just seems to have the all playing in, in, in tune and in alignment. One and defensively, this was actually something. start season when we were doing our season preview. We did pick them. I did pick them to win the division, but I felt defensively would be the one to the the weak spots and in particular the secondary, because he had so many games last year where he got exposed, but the secondary hasn't come to pass this year. For the Giants, like the Gi- what I would say is one thing that's been exploited this season in, in, in numerous games has been the Eagles' run defence. Now Jordan Davis, their first round pick, has come back and had a really good game last week. But the Giants' uh, way of winning this season has been consistent. You give the ball to Saquon Barkley, our main running back, and you allow him to do his thing. And for large parts of the season, it's been working. The offensive line has really improved. But of late, he's kind of backtracked slightly the numbers. I don't know if it's a case of the grind of the season is catching up with him. For the Giants to win, they're going to have to get back to what was working throughout the early part of the season, which is run the ball effectively, keep Daniel Jones upright and allow him to even be potentially in a position to do run-pass options. It's a big ask, generally, because even like when the Eagles don't use their run game and don't have Jalen Hurts running with the ball because he's such a dynamic runner of the ball, they still have him putting up 29-39, 380 yards last week. Four touchdowns, and the previous week he ran for 170 yards. So there's two, we, two ways of playing him: do you stop the run, and you, or do you stop the, the, uh, the wide receivers? Either way, either way, he can do both. It's a big task for the Giants. Um, as, as much as I would love to see them win, and I'm surprised how, how close the line is. I think it's more of a factor that in the NFC East game they're always very close. I don't see the Giants being able to deliver to the Seagulls team. But we have seen surprises throughout this season and many seasons. So who knows? Maybe come Monday when we're do a review, I'll, I'll be a happy man, but I, I can't see it happening this Sunday.
0: Okay, fair enough. How about you, Column? So uh, the Giants fan, even back in the Eagles here. How are you?
2: Yeah, that uh, that that is quite something, given how Mr. O'Leary feels about. Uh, those uh, free birds from uh, Philadelphia. Um, he, Brian makes a, a, a lot of good points in terms of, especially in the references to last year, but a, a stat, Calla, you like stats. A oh, stat, I love stats. Yeah. A stat that stood out to me, um, which tells you, I think how different this Eagles team is in comparison to last year's. So last year's Eagles team were 0 and 7 versus playoff teams. Um, and that includes the 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 postseason itself when they mm. when they got there because they lost immediately. So 0 and seven, they were one of only two winless teams in the NFL against playoff teams. The others being the Atlanta Falcons. This year, um, the Eagles have played three teams thus far: who um, the Vikings, Titans, and Cowboys, and they are three and O in in those games. So this is a very different Eagles uh, team that that we're looking at. And Brian is right to call out the return of jo- uh, Jordan Davis. I think that is a, is a real difference maker. Look, the the Giants will undoubtedly be up for this. I've no doubt Brian Dable will want uh, his team uh, to um, you know, put on an, uh, a performance against a divisional rival. Um, the Eagles might be going into MetLife as I think any visiting team, um, especially with Von Miller's injury now. There seems to be an awful lot of worry and concern around the league about playing on turf. The home teams who play on it all the time probably have less concerns. I wonder, might that play in a little bit? But ultimately, I think the Eagles have enough weapons to to get this done. Uh, I, I don't think it will be a very high-scoring game. I think the Giants will keep it tight. But ultimately, between what they have on the ground and um, their receiving core, I expect the, the Eagles to get this done. And to continue their march on, they will... Uh, be 12 and 1 by my reckoning on Sunday night,
0: fair enough. So, Eagles all the way there, and I'll give you my arbitrary choice of uh, the Giants. This will make you happy, Brian, because the only player I remember other than Jim Kelly from those early days when I watched NFL was Phil Sims, wasn't that the, the Giants? That's, that's, uh, that's, our,
1: that's our boy, correct that's correct. I, I, go- I thought you were going with Randall Cunningham, the Eagles. Uh, well, probably, I mean. Uh, no, there are ma- no.
0: there are many more I could probably pluck from the back of my brain, but that's the one that I remember. Um, all right, uh, just to shout out before we go to the next one is if anyone wants to drop any comments in, we'll uh, we'll get to those after this this uh, this one. Um, okay, so game five. Uh, so um, the Steelers uh, no longer one of our quickfire games because they've now won two in a row. Uh, late playoff push here um and so it's the ravens going to pittsburgh to play the steelers ravens are eight and four steelers five and seven no lamar jackson a quarterback for the ravens so what do you think can they do it even without him uh colin perhaps this time do you want to kick us off yeah i I'm not
2: not sure on the the Steelers playoff uh, push, but could could they ensure that magical Mike Tomlin finishes at or uh, or above 500 and uh, continues to never have a losing season? Yeah, that might be might well be be possible. Um, and the fact is that I have always advocated starting your young QBs. They need to take their licks. They need to learn how to play in the league and. Uh, Keddy Pickett has had a steep learning curve, and he's not there yet. I, I don't. I think the jury's still out completely on whether he is a franchise QB, but he is three and one in his last four starts, um, and that is, um, you know, certainly more impressive than his early season form. For the the Ravens, they, my goodness, they absolutely fell over the line against a Broncos team who couldn't get anything going. Uh, On on offense Um, and the the Ravens just couldn't seem to get out of their own way until that last late drive where they they got the touchdown and managed to eke out a 10-9 victory. Uh, certainly, I think uh, playing um, playing soccer growing growing up, we would have had games with with more goals. Um, the um, I went on the the Ravens podcast uh, last week in the lead up to to that, and the Ravens fans are really unhappy with their OC. Um, they are not happy at all with, with Greg Roman, um, and and probably the Lamar contract situation is playing into that a little bit. There's so much uncertainty there, Huntley. Um, I have seen him uh, play the the Bears last year where I thought he played quite well at times, but I didn't think he had a good game at all against the the Broncos. The Steelers' defense probably isn't at the level that the the Broncos' defense was, but the Steelers' coaching is better. They have an ability to, to score more points. The Ravens should win this, but Mike Tomlin absolutely loves divisional games. Uh, And given the season that we have had, I am going to say that Magic Mike finds a way and his Pittsburgh Steelers get another divisional victory. They go to to six and seven and the Ravens are, um, you know, looking at the remaining fixtures and saying, oh, we got to win out if we want to make the playoffs.
0: Right. Very good. Uh, So Steelers call there. Brian, how do you feel about that? What are your thoughts?
1: I have a feeling that this show might be one of the least entertaining we've had in the wild. So many results going the same way. <laughs> um, the Ravens over the past, few years Colin call rightly called it out. Right, they couldn't get out of their way last week. Found a way to to win. And when we were doing our show last Thursday, I, I reflected on the game which they played two weeks earlier against the Panthers at home, which they won 13-3. And it was 6-3 um, with six minutes to go in that game. And they stumbled over the line. And the following week, when they went into Jacksonville, they were held down to three field goals in the first half, where they were in the red zone three times, leaving themselves in a position where they were scraping at the end to try to win the game, and they really should have won the game, only for Jacksonville to go down on a late drive. So they've been they've been stuttering. They stuttered earlier in the season. They've had games in which they were leading by 10 points in three games in particular in the fourth quarter. They found ways to throw that game away. The game in Jacksonville, as I just touched on, they were up by nine points in the fourth quarter. Something's not right there. They're in a good position for the playoffs, but something this season is not right. Lamar Jackson... He was in a contract year, started really well at the start of the season. On this show, we were talking about how much he's going to get paid. He will get paid, but right now, especially with him out, Huntley kind of has a similar trace to him, but he's obviously not at that level. He played quite well last year. He did enough last week as Colin knows, the Broncos side are going in the wrong direction. But I have been impressed with Kenny P. And me and Colin were in lockstep on this at the start of the season. They should have just put him in from day one. And Like Colin's called out there, 3-1 in his last four games. Last week, he threw for 197 yards. No interceptions, no touchdowns, but it's game management. They won 19-16 in Atlanta. The previous Monday, similar enough numbers, true for one touchdown. They beat the Colts. He had a reasonably good game against the Bengals the week prior to that, and the week before that, a similar steady game. They won. It's all about game management. Mike Tomlin has now come out saying he's comfortable with the offense. He allows him to change the play at the line of scrimmage. It's no longer a case of that's the play you run it. So, it's a trust factor, and it's continuing. And they're they've beaten the Ravens four times in a row. They're gone for five in a row. Colin would say uh, Magic Mike. I, I say Iron Mike because I think he'll be the one knocking out the Ravens from the, the top of this division come Sunday because I think the Bengals will obviously beat the Browns and then the Ravens will be back in second place. So for me, it's a Steelers win as well. And Marcus, Marcus Steelers. So here we You're go. It.
0: Well, you leave me with no choice but to, to to go for the Ravens here, guys. You know, even though. I did have an arbitrary connection to the Steelers. Uh, My wife uh, went to school with the uh, Super Bowl winning kicker for the Steelers who... Given my NFL knowledge, I can't even remember his full name. Jeff Reed. Does that sound possible? Is that his name? I can't remember. I'll get the name for you later. But anyway, uh, that so I'm going Steelers as well, just to fully jinx it, lads. Okay. Um. Do we do we have any comments, Brian, that we want to chuck up? Uh. Just right now. I'm conscious. Uh. We're kind of yeah. uh, going into game six in a second, so maybe now's now's the time to go for it.
1: Yeah, quite a few interaction. I love this one. Right. We have a we have a regular call I know you're new to the show. We've a, a regular mm. call called Fred. Um, mm-hmm. And every and every day, Fred comes out giving out about uh, Odell Beckham and this potential move to Dallas. Um I think it's a bit of a love-hate relationship for Fred because he's already on this evening saying it doesn't look like he's going to Dallas. Um this is a very interesting one. So uh, his well, he
0: didn't go to LA either because he got thrown off the plane. So there uh, you go.
1: Thrown off the plane for whatever that whatever came of that. But uh, um, it all looked like last week he was going to Dallas. He went into Dallas. Um, there was a concern about his me and the medical situation and Dallas now look like they're trying to play it down that they were ever interested in the fourth place or that they're reflective of his medical situation. So who knows how this is going to play out. Quite mm. a little bit of surprise to columns earlier comments about uh, Zach Wilson um, saying, suggesting that the uh, the Jets won't be able to get rid of him until 2025, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that taken. That we've seen, uh, as, as it's been rightly called out by Keith here. Um, Josh Rosen was in his second year, I believe, and he was traded away from the Cardinals once Kyle Murray was selected in the open round of the draft. There's a lot of a chit-chat going on in the background this evening, which is great to see. Great. That's and, great uh, to see. Well, yeah, listen, and keep there's it. a few comments around the turf. Yeah, Columns alluded there. There is another one here. He's talking about the MetLife turf. The Rams and Chargers um, are coursing the SoFi turf as well. So there's a lot of teams that are looking to potentially move towards real grass and play and Playing that, I think what the problem is for some of the teams and stadiums is just commitments to have numerous concerts and numerous other events when the season isn't on, and to have <clears throat> proper field turf as opposed to um, the artificial turf doesn't lend a hand to concerts and other stuff. etc. Yeah. so um, that's, that's well, that one piece. Uh, that'll rage sure. on
0: anyway. I'm sure. All right. And well, will Col- we will we will we move to game six then?
1: I think Colin wants to, to react to just, time, oh, so I'm sorry. Colin has a fight. reaction.
0: I think Brian, I think the comment in relation
2: to 2025 might have been in terms of Russell Wilson and yes the Broncos are w- unless they take an absolutely unprecedented like doubling the cap hit the Broncos are stuck but the thing is that um, that Zach Wilson is on a rookie contract so Zach Wilson could very easily come in and sit behind um, Russell Wilson and essentially they would have two years of him on, on a rookie deal they don't have to take the, the fifth year option again. I think it's very unlikely. It was a rumour that I saw, but the Broncos have an all merciful problem um at quarterback and have to figure
1: something out. Sorry, I thought he was alluding to um <clears throat> potentially giving up on Dat yeah. Wilson so early in his jet's career no too okay. many too, too many
2: too many wilson's
1: and ultimately yeah,
0: I, the wilson from castaway was better than
1: that was my thought that's
0: my thought immediately i thought you were talking about wilson but bo- russell, russell
1: wilson is playing like tom hanks in that film he's a shredded he's, a, he's shredded in the water there <laughs>
0: uh all right and with that thought we'll move on to game six so uh, the last of the six pm games in these main previews. So it's the Jags four and eight against the Titans seven and five. So Titans, they've lost two in a row, um, and uh, and uh, so it's a good game here uh, to, to sort of rebound for them, I suppose. Or you tell me. I mean, Colin, what what are you what do you what are your thoughts on Jags Titans? Yeah, this has been, uh, I suppose,
2: uh, and. Not a great week for the the Titans in in certain respects. They have lost two on, on the bounce, and they sacked their GM. But I think for um, a number of ti- people outside the Titans, really looked at the t- timing of the the GM sacking and and kind of really wondered about it. I think for a lot of other uh, for a lot of Titans fans, they probably. Uh, understood it uh, a bit more Uh, with the news today that uh, Caleb Farley is having, or has had back surgery. um, And, and, you know, that essentially um, rules him out again. I think is it three back surgeries, two ACL surgeries before the age of 25. Uh, you're you're left hoping on a miracle for him to really work out. And the GM has essentially wasted kind of two years uh, in terms of draft picks. Um, So that has been an enormous problem. It also emerged earlier in the week. Um, now, Now, there's two things. One that the owner, it doesn't seem was, or at least she says she wasn't consulted on the AJ Brown trade. Um, and we also were all reminded with the video of Mike Vrabel's reaction uh, to the A.J. Brown trade. He uh, was none too happy. Um, and so there was a feeling that maybe it was a bit of a, a power struggle and Mike Vrabel won. But I, I felt a little bit. And, and and if that is the case, maybe this bit is more understandable. The owner left Mike Vrabel to answer all the questions this week um so the he was left to to feel the questions now ultimately if it was a power struggle and he won I can understand that a little bit more and I can understand why um you know he that that was the case and I get backing Mike Frabel because you have seen his own players and other players come out to back for him again this week uh Taylor Lewan was on with K um Adams earlier today and talking about him being the the best coach in the league, and we also heard that Derek Henry is quite cranky this week. Uh, Mike Herndon was talking about that. When Derek Henry is cranky, um, there are a couple of teams that he particularly likes playing. Number one is the Texans, and number two is the Jags, and. Um, the, the Jags, after um, their great vi- comeback victory against the, the Ravens, were very disappointing last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence um, is, is, has an injury designation, um, and uh, that is, is a problem. Uh, for me, I have the Titans writing the ship and
0: getting back to winning ways. Okay, Titans to right the ship. Brian, what do you think about that?
1: They couldn't have asked for a better game. To you know, bearing in mind though. and it's a divisional game, and people say, Oh, it'll be it'll, it could be close. Trevor Lawrence, who was the first round pick last year, uh, Calle, he's a great quarterback. We've seen great great moments from him this season, two weeks ago. He's, the, the, he's
0: the former Clemson guy, isn't he? That's correct, yeah. You're, oh, you're I know well that because my, my father and mother in law are massive Clemson fans, they're former Clemson grads, so anyway, so there that was something there I actually are. knew you were talking about.
1: Unbelievable. Well, he <laughs> you mightn't get you mightn't get to reflect on Clemson this weekend because the likelihood is he's not going to play. Um, he's uh-huh. very doubtful. He got ser- it look. It looked like a potential season-ending injury last week. Only to come back into the second half of the game and play reasonably well. Uh, C.J. Better, who uh, Colin would know from his days with the Forty ers is the backup there. And if he plays, with all due respect to him, I would I'd find it difficult to see how they can overcome this game. And, and the rivalry there, but yet the Titans have found ways to beat them. I think it's five games in a row the Titans have had their number. And Derek Henry, Colm's talking about being, being moody and grumpy this week. He didn't play really well last week. He wasn't allowed to play well. Eagles' defensive line stood up to them. I'd be surprised to see that if that was the case this week. I think Derek Henry would be, have a big rebound game. And one player i look out for, Robert Woods, whether it was his time in LA or since he's come to the Titans, has had, always had really good games against the Jags, 80 plus yard games. Maybe he's one that'll have another breakout game or something. For me, I'm a Colm. Mark is the same. We're all picking the Jags. The Titans.
0: You're all picking the Titans, or unless I've completely misunderstood the game. Uh, all right. Well, then I'll I'll go for the Jags because I guess it's the closest uh, big cat to Panthers that I can think of. And I like the Panthers. Um, all right. Um, so uh, then we're going to just do a quick rapid fire now on Texan, Texans versus the Cowboys. Uh, Colm, I'm going to ask you for that. And then I'll come to you for your pick, Brian, on that in a minute. So, Colm, take it away
2: yeah i think both of the uh, quick fires this week have featured teams who just want the season to be over and uh in this game it's it's the texans they were fired up for the game last weekend obviously against their former qb and everything that's around it and him sitting out last year and despite being fired out despite getting off to uh, a decent start they, they just found ways to to beat themselves I mean it was it was new ways to to do it uh for the the Texans they've made changes at, at QB um n- nothing nothing seems to have worked uh Brandon Brandon they decided um not to trade Brandon Cooks at the trade deadline. I wonder if they look back on that now uh, with regret given the way the season has gone. Uh, there there really isn't anything at all to to play for other than um pride but um they're coming up against a, a cowboys team who uh, sometimes sometimes let themselves down by just not showing up uh, they lost uh, a couple of games last year um that they they really should have won but if the cowboys show up and um, they should absolutely dominate this the big thing for the cowboys obviously is all the past few weeks have been spent flirting with uh, OBJ. We talked about it in the um, kind of with the questions a little while ago. Jerry Jones kicked that to touch. Um, how did the, the players uh, respond? The, the wide receivers who, if he's not signing there, can they kind of take the, the step up that, that they need to? But no, as long as the Cowboys show up on Sunday, they should dominate the Texans.
1: All
0: right. And Brian, what's your pick there?
1: The easiest pick of the weekend. Tech, or not Texans, Cowboys. Cowboys <laughs> on you're
0: just, you're stumbling, stumbling there. Yeah, uh, Fair enough. Easiest pick of the weekend. How did Mark go on that one? Do we know?
1: Full house, Cowboys.
0: Full house. Okay. Bang, bang. All right. And then on the other uh, quick fire one, we have Chiefs Broncos. Uh, Brian, I'm going to get you to, to go for that one. And then I'll, I'll turn to you, Colin, for your pick.
1: Yeah, not as straightforward as people may seem in this game. No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> 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 no, look, what I would say is, like, the Chiefs lost last weekend, but going into the fourth quarter, the game was was there for them, as, as Mark rightly called out on the show. And I was looking at the, the numbers today, despite the loss, Mahomes threw for 223, threw a touchdown. You know, he had a rushing touchdown. He's still playing at MVP uh, level. Kelsey didn't have the best of games last week. He was cutting of Kept down the low numbers. And when he has a slow game, he usually really rebounds very quickly with a really big game. Really impressed with their running back. The rookie running back seems to be now nailed in as the number one. I'll let Colum have a go at pronouncing his name. P- uh, Patio, is it? Pacheo? Something like that. Mark is very good at pronouncing it. And looking at the numbers from last weekend, a bright spot for the Broncos this week has been in their tight end, Greg Dolch. And again, last weekend, he was their leading receiver with 85 yards. It doesn't bode well for a team that's trying to get this offense going. Despite the game being at home, um, the Broncos have been beaten by the Chiefs 13 times in a row. It'll be 14 and 14 Sunday, and I imagine 14 being the magical number. They'll win by 14-plus points.
3: Oh,
0: wow, okay. Yeah, and Colm, uh, same feeling there, Chiefs? Or are you going with the heart? <laughs> um,
2: I, just just a few more words, yeah, because I saw... <laughs> Uh, a tweet that said, so if you're a Broncos fan that's a senior in high school getting ready to graduate the last time you saw the Broncos beat the Chiefs, you were in fifth grade. Uh, wow. For an Irish context, if you're in you're leaving cert, you hadn't even started at secondary school the last time the Broncos um, beat the Chiefs. And you will very likely uh, be in your first year of university having gone through the CAO system. Uh, before
0: the Broncos beat the Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to win this. The Chiefs are going to win this, I think, and even I know that and my arbitrary reason for saying that is I like the Chiefs. I think Mahomes is a right, real maverick. I, I love watching him play and my good friend Nathan is a massive lifelong Chiefs fan as well, so uh, I'm all about that. Okay, uh, let's move on to the 9pm games. There's there's a few of these. So The first one is my beloved Panthers, albeit uh, not doing the best this season uh, up against the Seahawks um I'd love to hear what your take on that is um maybe we'll go to you first column this time perhaps this uh, this game yeah I mean the the Panthers have definitely improved
2: um, under um, their their interim uh, but they couldn't have of- got
0: any worse
2: column. I I was about I was about to say it is akin to winning a taller than Danny DeVito contest. Yes. Um, Uh, and and for, for the Panthers, obviously, they've moved on from the uh, Baker Mayfield uh, circus and all that that entailed. And look, for them, it's, it's about who is going to be the QB there next year. They're going to, I, I imagine, draft somebody. Um, I think probably the Russell Wilson trade will have scared everyone from trading for vets. So I imagine everyone is now going to look to the draft and say, we will just go with the rookie contract. Um, but, but... Uh, the if you if you look to their opponents who managed to find in in Geno Smith a guy who obviously was in the wilderness for an awfully long time, um, but this year Geno Smith uh, games with multiple passing touchdowns ten, rank in the league first, games with a, a hundred plus passer rating nine first, games with at least seventy percent completion eight first. Geno Smith is having a season. He has been absolutely outstanding and the Seahawks are loving it. Uh, They got back on track last week and you saw Pete Carroll uh, getting them all G'd up on the the sideline. Um, Whilst the Panthers have improved, I don't believe they will have enough and I think the Seahawks are headed to the playoffs. They might even exceed uh, Brian, uh, Brian O'Leary's uh, expectations at, at the uh, before the season began. We all laughed. We all pointed and laughed at Brian. Well, uh, I don't know if we will be the ones laughing come the end of the season.
1: Wow! Yeah. All right. The problem, the problem now is um, I now want them to start losing games because obviously this impacts on my team, the Giants, potentially making the playoffs because it's coming down to potentially two spots for three teams. So, um, look, last weekend, um, Seattle are having a fantastic season. They've seven wins, and I, I quoted in August on a pre season show, which I showed Colin a video clip recently where he nearly spit out his coffee. I said they'll win a minimum of nine games, and he's talking about Geno Smith in terms of. How successful this season has been. Last weekend was his career game. Highest game in, in his, his best game in his career. 28 for 32, 367 yards and three touchdowns. And yet I didn't think they played well. And I looked at the receivers' numbers, like they went off the charts. Metcalf was 127, Locker was 128, both having receiving touchdowns. And yet, I, th- I wasn't convinced by them last weekend, their defence over the past few weeks. I was in Munich 1st time I got to see the game against the Bucks, in which I thought they'd play really well and win, because they were on such a hot streak, their defence was flat that day. And I didn't think it was great last weekend, they had a the couple of interceptions which helped them out in particular times, and the Rams, for all the Rams faults this season, when Walford has touched as uh, quarterback, they went up and down the field and were in a position to win the game with a minute to go. And the Panthers have done well recently, they play played well for, this, for Steve Wilkes. And their defence on their day, as we've seen, they've managed to beat teams and cause shocks because their defence can play really well and they have a strong running game despite the trade of McCaffrey. Foreman has come in and played really well. And there's a lot to be said for a fresh quarterback coming in. Sam Darnold has come in and he's not had the best of careers, but he's come in late in the season, so there's a freshness to him. But I still think Seattle will win because Pete Carroll just has a way of getting these results when you don't, ex- not necessarily we don't expect it, they are favourites. I can see it being a tighter game than people will think. But at home, I think they'll find a way right to get over the line and right really push on towards the playoffs.
0: Fair enough. Um, obviously I'm going to pick the Panthers to win. Watch, watch next week when I get it right for once. All right. Uh, and that and what was Mark's take on that one there, Brian? Did he also go for Seahawks?
1: He did indeed, yeah. Yeah, of course. You're, you're cursing
0: it. You cursed that one for sure, because uh, <laughs> the Panthers That's what I want to hear. Let's
1: curse that one if,
0: if anyone can, can get cursed again. That's, okay. that's the Let's one. go Panthers. Let's go. Uh, okay, uh, game eight. It's a big one in Santa Clara. So Tom Brady and the Bucks, who are six and six, uh, they came, They had that last second win on Monday. I was reading about it there. Um, they are facing up against the Niners, obviously, uh, who are at eight and four. And they, of course, we talked about this uh, on the last show. They they're going to have a new quarterback for the remainder of their season. Uh, Brock, one of many Brocks we mentioned, uh, and please in the comments share any other Brocks you know. Um. Uh, so let's 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 talk about it, Brian. Maybe you first can can Brady withstand this
1: Niners defense? Uh, it's a tough ask. It's a tough ask this week. You know, you're coming off a game in which Bose has had three sacks and. I would say that defense, for a large part, carried him to that victory last week. Um, they got they got home to the Dolphins, who were missing two offensive tackles. This Bucks offense. So what's again? We saw it earlier in the season the Bucks beat the Rams at home, and everybody was on a crest of a wave. They went to Munich, and they won. But what people are failing to recognize is, for three and a half quarters of that game on Monday night, they did nothing. They had a really strong first drive, ended up with a field goal, and then they did nothing for the rest of the game. They were down 13-3 with three minutes and 14 seconds to go. And Brady has a knack and he still has it even at 40, 45 in ways of just getting these incredible drives. And even on the last drive, then and thereafter, Saints still had an opportunity with some players to win the game. But credit to them, they're hanging in there at the top of the division and it'd be interesting how Brock Poorey can play this week because maybe it's still early in this kind of period that people won't have enough tape and they'll have to reflect on what he did in college. So maybe he's in a position where he can play a game, a steady game, game management and bring them to, to a victory, because right now the books. if it got into a shootout, which I don't believe it would, the Bucs right now, their offence isn't teed up. Mike Evans, who's one of the best wide receivers, or has been one of the best wide receivers for the past few years, just hasn't got going this season. He only had 59 yards in reception on Monday, consistent with what we've seen all season. In fact, his best play was drawing the drawing the flag at the end to get them in a the position to score a touchdown. Um, defensively, they've carried him in, in many games. Devin White, Victor Veya, was getting home to the quarterback on... On Monday night, it's going to come down, it's a low scoring game, for example, the the total points in this game, in in the bookmakers, is 37, which is very low for a Tom Brady type of game, they don't expect Mm -hmm. it to go over 37 points, I can see reasons why it would be that kind of game, but you're asking me which offence I trust more, despite the quarterback situation in San Francisco, they've got McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Iick, they've enough there to win this game, so for me, it's another home victory this weekend, I'm picking the 49ers
0: very good 49ers it is Colin what about you
2: that's on Gino a while ago and there were three uh, I think categories that I said he was first in uh, the in the league in terms of this 49ers defense is first in points allowed per game yards allowed per game yards per rush rushing yards per game. Uh, the number of first downs allowed per game uh, passing touchdowns allowed and the number of interceptions um they are ferocious and they, they might they might just be the best defense that Tom Brady has faced um since he came into to Denver uh in the 2015 AFC championship game and as Wade Phillips pointed out to Mark Cockrell at uh, the Broncos hit him 24 times i would absolutely love to see his childhood team and nick bosa do the very same if they wanted to double that amount that would be just fine with me because as i said on monday show um we're it's tom brady's world and we're all just living in it usually but he has looked uh, fallible i think over the past couple of years and if you if you allow him Um, to to do what the Saints did, Brian has talked about it, but at the end, they allowed the opportunity, if you allow the opportunity, he will take advantage of it, I don't imagine this San Francisco 49ers defense will allow him um, that opportunity, Brian has talked about the offense, for me, it's all about their defense, which is so formidable, and I uh, i'm predicting the 49ers to win i want the 49ers to win i will offer uh, uh up sacrifices for the 49ers to to beat tom brady uh, uh on sunday um please uh, please let it happen
0: please let it happen Is what i heard there at the end <laughs> okay well we'll see what we can do Column. uh i'm I'm no huge fan of Tom Brady myself, so I'm actually going to go with you there. I would like to see him uh, roundly beaten in this one, too. But um, OK, we are now down to the last game, actually, of the Sunday slate, uh, and that's going to be the Dolphins, uh, who are eight and four, uh, and they're heading to L.A. to play the Chargers, I believe, who are six and six so um maybe give us your take on that brian um uh with with that game
1: yeah this game has been this, there was a lot of talk about this game recently because it's the game that was flexed into this sunday night slot which is the 120 a.m game it originally was the uh, broncos chiefs and they managed to remove that game because of the level of interest that would be there unfortunately for the broncos bearing in mind what's happening there but this game has it has to you know what's the appetite as it. it's, it's gonna be a great game you got the dolphins coming off a difficult loss last weekend, going in against the Chargers and the Chargers team that have been so inconsistent this season, we had Michael Lombardi on the show earlier in the week and we, we asked him on this Chargers team, and in particular around the head coach and whether he'd be there next season, he kind of touched on the fact that the owners are quite loyal to both the GM and the head coach, so he might get another opportunity, but this is a team that was expected so much of, and in fairness to the Dolphins, there was a lot expected of them. But it's refreshing to watch the Dolphins, and they had a difficult game last weekend, but as Colin rightly called out, he, he went through the stats on that 49ers defense. So you, can, you sometimes you just have to take your medicine and move on to the next game. I think this game is more, is a much more winnable game for them. I mean, Tariq Hill, Jalen Waddle, they've got a really strong run game. I would expect Tua to come back. It looks like some of their offensive line who were out last week are struggling, potentially could play, which would sort up the line. And when Tua is given an opportunity and this line works for him, he is very accurate. You know. Quarterback, and he will find ways to get the ball to players. And even last week, Tyreek Hill, despite the loss at 146 yards and one touchdown, one of them was a bomb. So a lot of the yards go down on that, but at the same time, they still make plays. And for the Chargers team, lost last week in, in LA, sorry, yeah, sorry in, in Vegas against, against the Raiders, won the week before that against the Cardinals, lost the week before that. There's no consistency, there's no trust level with them. Herbert, again, is another fantastic quarterback. The big game, in a way, because these two quarterbacks were you know aligned in terms of the same year the draft one went four one went five there was a conversation of which team would take one over the other so they're coming up against each other and that will be the talk on Sunday night but unfortunately for the Chargers I think if you look at their offense again it was with the inconsistencies this season Herbert's arguably the better quarterback but he doesn't have the better players or team around them so for me the Dolphins will go in to SoFi into LA and win this game on Sunday night okay
0: Dolphins is the call Colum, what's your call and what's your take on it
2: there uh, this I, I'm glad that I disagreed on <laughs> the Bills Jets game at the start because uh, since then I think we have essentially been in lockstep, and I, I, I like Brian has kind of summed summed it up. This is all. All about the supporting cast around Herbert and the need to to do more. There is a lot of a lot of hype around this game, particularly amongst I suppose some of the talking heads and analysts in America, because um, there's a huge debate around Tua and Herbert. Um, where Herbert was definitely anointed, I suppose, as the kind of Patrick Mahomes-esque. Um, QB when he came in and he had an incredible first couple of years and this year he has he has shown real flashes of it but ultimately the Chargers have disappointed a lot of people feel um, Herbert has been let down by the team. But equally, people then say, "Well, this is the first year Tua has had, you know, um, uh, kind of a, a competent head coach, competent offense around him, and, and look what he is done with it." So there are two very distinct camps. Um, you know, there, there is talk of Tua Anon, and uh and they they are very virulent in their support of their QB. Um, so that that will be something to to keep an eye on. But um, ultimately. The the Chargers defense is nowhere near, as Brian has rightly pointed out, where the 49ers defense is. The Dolphins hung out in California for the week. And I while well, I expect the Chargers to make life difficult for them and for Herbert to play really well, ultimately, I do think Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins will have more success this week and they should be able to get um, the, the victory and make our friend Keith very, very happy.
0: OK, so not a whole lot of disagreement tonight, guys. It's mostly apart from that opening game. You're all you're all uh, you're all tied up uh, on everything and. Um, Brian, do do we have any more comments from viewers that we'd like to uh, to flash up now before we close out and move on to uh, to our interview with Christoph?
1: Yeah, well, Colin was talking earlier about Goff and this is a repeated piece that keeps coming up, and I think this is going to have to be be one of the the off season conversations around whether the, the Lions continue to stick with Jared Goff as quarterback or go uh, another route in the draft. And um, I would mean, just bear in mind that I think we've we've spoken about before the, the Lions have the Rams opening pick in this year's draft, which is, at the moment, they're picking at four. So, like yours. they will be in a position to potentially pick up one of these quarterbacks coming out of the draft next April. So, it'll be interesting to see where that goes, but right now, you can't argue with Goff. And then, um, there's been a lot of Texans chat tonight. See, about last week's game with Deshaun Watson as well, just a piece there around. They made a change of quarterback last weekend. Uh, they've gone back to Mills, as it happened. So, um, he said they should have kept with Mills. They've, they've, they've rightly corrected that this week. Um, Davis Mills will start as quarterback this weekend in Dallas, which is again another difficult game. A few other bits and pieces around the 49ers. Again, Keith and Declan, who is a Dolphins fan, has got involved in that. But um, um, One there, interesting one around Sam Darnold. Um, you know, touched on the fact that he's fresh. Uh, more of it, I think, might be one of your gang on the Talking yeah. Balls podcast. The uh, Panthers guys. Let's go, Darnold, going into Seattle on Sunday. Get All on right, his I'm with you. game of the season could be interesting to see how fresh, if he's still fresh. Never know could cause a shock. But uh, no, uh, I've that's... seen
0: I've seen him fresh and he, he wasn't tremendous. I saw him live one time, but you know, never know. I mean, hopefully, to this weekend will make a difference. Yeah. Uh, oh, brilliant. Uh, any any last ones, Brian, or, or do uh, do we uh, or do you think that's that's the best of it?
1: That's that's the best of it. And uh, Mark also okay. went, for the, went for the Dolphins. Uh, of course, he did. Of course yeah. I did.
0: I didn't even have to ask you that time. I knew that. Yeah. Oh. What I would
1: say is uh, that this jinx always happens. so um, okay. it's the NFL, so there's bound to be. Bound
0: there's to be. bound to be. Well, in fairness, not that I really, my picks matter. I, I think I picked the opposite to you for pretty much all of them as well. So I'll be, I'll be the champ next on Monday when we're back to review all the games. Uh, and like as always, check out all the podcast platforms. Get all that additional content. Like we said earlier, Brian and Mark did a did a piece earlier on on, on one of the games as well. That's already out there. Um, all right, that is it, guys. Thanks a million for the conversation and for uh, once again schooling me in the world of NFL. And uh, we're going to close out tonight's uh, show with an interview with Christoph Pink, who is the director of quantitative. Quantitative analytics from Points Bet. Uh, so, Christoph will take you through that now. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. So, welcome back to the irish NFL show
3: for a special uh interview and segment. As you know, we're always keen to kind of focus all the different aspects of the NFL and all the different aspects and opportunities that go with it. And there are some elements of the NFL that are Ireland. We've had a great partnership this year with PointsBet, uh, a trading company that actually have all their technology and uh, systems based in Ireland itself. And we got with us on the show tonight Christoph Pink, their director of quantitative analytics, who is based in Dublin. You might t- sense from the accent in a second, he's not necessarily from Rohini. Um, but Christoph, welcome to the show. First of all, I should
4: say, how are you yeah. doing? Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Doing very well. Very excited to uh explain all about uh how we do sports here in Pointsbad. And yeah,
3: and it sounds French, I'm gonna say. So we're gonna say a Frenchman living in Dublin.
4: Yeah, exactly. Been uh been moved I moved in Dublin in uh during the World Cup 2014. So I've been here it's my third World Cup here uh, in Dublin, that's how I count it. So uh yeah, moved in okay. uh, eight years ago very happy to be here i didn't manage to lose the french accent so you know
3: well well you mentioned world cup let's try and stay away from football generally no mention of thierry omri and hands and things like that we'll, we'll keep it safe and keep it on the american side of the fence um, i'm i'm going to start off christopher just saying you know quantitative analytics we have a vague understanding i'll say of what quants do from where it shows like billions whether it's the movies like the big Short, but can you explain to me in the first instance in the viewers, like what does this mean in a general sense especially in the sports betting world where you're involved
4: yeah so like in in uh like in the sports betting world I, I you know finance might be a bit different uh but like in the sports betting world uh quant prefers to uh pretty much anything that has a number so when we're trying to uh like give estimation of what's going to happen next when we're trying to price a given market that's where like quant's going to be involved so let's say if you see money lines being even, that price usually comes from a pricing model and those pricing models are going to be de- defined by the, are going to be designed uh, by the Quants team.
1: Christa, inter- interested to find out how you came to be in this role, obviously your career background and obviously as we touched on earlier, uh, pre-recorded your, your desire and love for sports, a combination of both. Can you tell us about your background and how you came to be in this role today?
4: I. It's kind, of, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of funny story there, Lily. Really. Uh, so, in, I grew up in France, did all my s- studying in there. Uh, so, high school uh, and then university there. Um, I went to kind of like very generic um, science, uh, engineering, mathematics kind of uh, um, school, like what they call their like uh, Grandes Écoles. So, it's it's a uh, they're like school of engineering, but like they kind of like. They allow you to uh, explore different areas and to apply math to anything. So I said physics, mechanics, uh, chemistry, uh, and then like been using math to kind of like put sense, put like some sort of try to give an explanation of how the, how the world works. And and then when I come came at the end of my uh, master, I wanted to do uh, I wanted to do a bit more. I wanted to explore a bit more that world. So. I started to do a PhD in applied mathematics, uh, and moved to Dublin for this. Uh, the funny story is like I never finished my PhD in applied mathematics because uh, I just, you know, I, I guess I kind of lost interest. Like the spark was gone on this, um, and I I was trying to find new opportunities. And I during my PhD, the first year, I went to a math seminar to like that finance professor. Was explaining statistical arbitrage for like some obscure financial stuff. And he, he, he knew the founder of, of, of Banak, so the, the, the company that then became Point Spade Europe. And he was like, Oh, you know, I know that guy is uh he's he's starting a, a startup on like uh, um sports and you know apply mathematical modeling models to sports. Would you be interested to set an interview? And I was like, actually, you know what? I mean. Every day in the morning, I kind of like wake up uh, and go on my sport app to get the news, to get the sense So it's, it's something I'm really interested in. I was like, just let's give it a go. And then the guy was like pretty much explaining what you're trying to do is like uh, you have a given sport. You want to find the correct descriptive model for it and apply the probability where, where it matters. So, it, you know, the already thing about NFL, like uh, it goes play by play. So, you want to build up a model. So, like, you know, you kind of go... From one play to the next one. And then when you have a play starting, you kind of want to decide: is it going to be a run play? Is it going to be a pass play? What is the correct ratio depending on the score? Different conditions really. And you know, you want to train that model to do that correctly. And I, I just found that fascinating. And so here I am, like seven, uh, it's gonna be seven years. I start, I started in 2016 uh in Banach and then Points Bet. So I've been doing this for a while, and and like applied to a variety of, of of different sports like soccer, NFL, NBA, US sports in general, and it's been a fascinating journey so far.
3: Well, well, Christoph, I mean, let's let's focus in on that that NFL piece a little bit more. In fact, I love the story because when your surname's Pink, I'm thinking of Pinkman out of uh, Breaking Bad, and it sounds like you could have been a Doctor Pink uh, if you'd uh, completed that PhD, but you've You've gone into the world of sports bets and look, we have a load of people that watch the show that are always interested in, Hey, I'd love to get involved in sports, or I'd love to get involved obviously specifically in the NFL in some way, um, just because they like you and you've described, have a passion for sports and want to get involved in it all. And then, you know, for them and to give a bit more of a layman's understanding, if you could uh, delve in a little bit more like on a day-to-day basis, operationally, what does being parts of the quants team mean and what's it mean in terms of the selling the trading and the betting markets for nfl specifically i mean you're talking a little bit there about you know discerning the model is it going to be a run play is it going to be a pass play i mean how does that all come about um and with then dramatic changes like jimmy garoppolo's injury this weekend and things like that i mean there's lots of variables go into the mix i'm sure
4: yeah so like there are like a lot of different moving parts uh, like it, it, in terms of like NFL, you kind of mention it, like there are, there is like a pre-match aspect. So before the game even starts, uh, like looking at the injury lists, it's going to have an impact on how many points, uh, like what are going to be the expectation from expectation from the game. So like that, that aspect of it, it's something we can model and we can try to define uh, what are going to be the, the, the score expectation. Um, that part is kind of like um, it's more about trying to get the information, process it, and also try to get any sort of information to try to uh, translate them into kind of a, a simple outcome. Like, what can have an impact on the final score? Like, you have a lot of variety of things that can happen. You mentioned injuries, but like, uh, imagine like the other day uh, when um, the Bills had to move. Uh, to Detroit, isn't it? Like uh, like there was a massive snowstorm. So how does that affect also like how many points you would expect during a game? So usually that kind of information, you, you're gonna talk to like NFL experts, like you, you have the training room, those guys kind of like look at Twitter, uh, they have their own knowledge of the sport. They're gonna be able to kind of assess like the, the difference, um, um, like almost intuitively, they're gonna be able to assess like, you know, uh, what is worth, like what is worth a point, what is worth six points? If there is more or less wind. If there is more or less rain, so like th- there is an intuitive part of it. Uh, we can back it up with statistics, but like it is going to be mostly driven by like the trading room trying to get a sense of what's happening and also being driven by you know the, the types of best bets that are being taken off. So there is you know information being extracted from the crowd, and uh, like, course would be involved in this in trying to understand how we weight all that information, how we weight the fact that, let's say, uh, some. Some other bookmaker and the competition has moved. So, do we also want to move? Do we agree with them? We're gonna and we're gonna try to understand exactly why they moved and if we should also move uh, back and try to, to manage our risk accordingly depending on the type of bets we have been taking. So, like it's really, really like here, it's like the pre-match aspect. It's almost about you know building the correct algorithm, automate some stuff that can be automated, uh, and working very closely with the training team for that, or uh, like. You know automate the, 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 the ingestion of information, so that, that's one aspect of it. Also, trying to take into account like the past performance. So, we have built up a model for this, and it's more about like the, really the, the player performance, it's a bit easier to kind of like measure. Like, like if you know that the quarterback is doing a lot of past plays, we're going to try to take that into account. And that information history, like that history we are building from the player, going to be ingested in, in our model uh, moving forward. Uh, so like all that all that aspect of trying to get the pregame information for the team and also for the player. So that's that's one side of the story. Then there is another side of the story, which is around like uh, in-play betting, which is like really the space bet wants to focus on. Meaning that if you have set up your your team expectation, if you have set up like well you know the Bills gonna win by a touchdown and they're gonna be five touchdowns during the game and you say no field goals, right? That's gonna be your kind of like score expectation. Then how do you derive the rest of it? How do you say how many yards, how many completions are you going to have from the quarterback? How many carries are you going to have from the running back? And so on. How many sacks the quarterback is going to suffer from? So our job as squads is, is, is mostly focused on this in points bet, trying to understand how the game unfolds and where are we expecting things to happen and how the correlation is going to be build, building up. So like. You know, if you see if you see more points for a team, usually you could expect more yards, more passing yards, and maybe like more attempts as well. So if you also see more passing yards, you're probably gonna have more reception. So we kind of need to have that understanding so we can build up like our one of our key products, this is like the same game parlay, so that like uh, you know NFL viewers can can place a bet on let's say the Bills the Bills to uh, to win. But also Josh Allen to let's say have uh, you know have fifteen completion, but also run for twenty yards. So like that's the kind of product exciting product we're trying to build, and try, that's a kind of correlation we're trying to understand and 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 give the best estimate for. I'll, I'll take that bet, Christoph. By the way, I'll take that one. <laughs>
1: That sounded like a very easy one, didn't it, Merck? Uh, well, it depends Chris,
4: the price I'm offering for you. If it's like it's uh, it's if 50-50, it's like probably, yeah. But like, let's say we are playing as the Chief now, or we're playing against the Titan, or we're playing against the, the Jets, let's say. They have a very strong defense. Do you, are you still taking the bets, though?
1: MVP type of player, I probably would still take the bet. Uh, no. Christoph, very interested on the in-play betting model and how you worked that today. The topsy-turvy nature of NFL, we saw recently Vikings-Bills, we're talking about the Bills and Josh Allen, that game a number of weeks ago, there was four lead changes in the last two minutes of the game, we've seen recently uh, the Chargers, for example, uh, going for a two-point conversion at the end of the game to win, we've seen so many dramatic changes throughout the course of the game, can you explain how the, the focus and all the top process that goes into the in-play betting model in, in that instance?
4: Yeah, like the the key to actually capture those movements is really to be able to have a very, very uh, granular description of a game. In other words, our our model are not going to really predict the final score as such. What they're going to do is like predict every outcome of every play. And when we're actually building up a model that way, it allows us to capture very quickly any, you know, dramatic change you're talking about. So like, for instance, like what's going to happen at the start of a play, what we're going to say, okay, well, you know, they are in the red zone right now. Uh, and then the model is going to try to estimate what's going to happen next. In other words, what it's going to do is like it's going to create like a lot of different versions of what could happen next. And in each of the version, is going to decide, well, you know, uh, there is 60% chance they're going to go for the run here in the red zone, right? Because we know there is like there is only nine yards to go to uh, try the touchdown. And based on that, Based on historical data, based on past performance for like you know, the bills, but also all the teams, we see that the strategy they use for this is like more like the the the, the, the run play. So let's say there's sixty percent. Then, then what's going to happen then is like, uh, let's say in sixty percent of our simulation they're going to go for the run, and in forty percent of our simulation they're going to go for the let's say the pass, for instance, or maybe something else. Uh, like the point is our model going to de- define like different types of outcomes from the play. And then, and then from there it's going to unfold. So let's say you go to for your run. Let's say now, now in in one in those sixty percent of simulation, we start, and we say, okay, it's going to be a run now. So now the question is like, okay, you go for the run, but like, uh, how many yards are they going to be able to to run through, right? So what we do is like we look back at uh, at the past again and trying to see well, you know, when uh, when they when they carry the ball then usually they they're gonna, you know, there is 10% chance they're gonna go with two yards. There is maybe 15, they're gonna go with three, and so on. So we kind of build up distributions of the length of the run. And and then like in that big simulation, we're gonna say, well, you know, in one simulation they're gonna go up to 10, it's gonna be a touchdown. And in the other one, they're actually just going to go for one one yard. So in all of the simulation we're actually gonna have scored and then it's gonna keep going and then you know once they have scored, you go for the kickoff. And then the other team going to have possession and we, we're trying to estimate what's going to happen in that simulation for up to the end of the game and then the other one they're still going to be stuck at the second down on, and, and then second and goal and then they're going to you know they go again they're going to decide are we going for the run or the pass knowing that now it's not first and goal anymore but second and goal and so on so that's that's how we kind of simulate what's going to happen in the, in the remainder of the game trying to understand play after play what's going to happen and that way we actually can capture very quickly what th- those dramatic changes you're you're talking about because like yes they happen but when you look historically uh you kind of can see the succession of shifts you know all those dramatic changes you're able to capture them looking at historical data
1: and as the betting as the game evolves are you finding um, in terms of p- the, the better pre-market as opposed to in in life betting in terms of in the game the activity being more substantial over the course of the last few years because previously it was very much around betting prior to the game but now these days with all these options more and more people are getting involved in, in during the game in terms of the betting
4: there is a change here yeah, in terms of behavior uh, i think it's also linked with technology as well so like one of the key one of the you know one of the major uh reasons i'd say people wouldn't bet in play it was just it was extremely difficult to pay to, to place a bet. As like, you know, the, you're talking to yourself about this is like, you know, you have dramatic shifts, like if there is a surgeon being scored, like the, the odds are going to just change dramatically. And, and usually the, the way bookmaker would be hacked is by just suspending the market, not allowing, uh, the customer to place a bet, you know, what we are trying to build here in points, bet is like, is the best customer experience. So like they, it's actually easy for them to place the bet. It's also easy for them to like place exotic bets. We were talking about HGP earlier. We, we strongly believe that it's, you know, it's much more interesting for someone to kind of like place what kind of like exciting bets rather than just say, well, you know, the B is going to win. Uh, we also want to be uh, them to be able to place it. You know, I'm seeing now that it has starting to rain, so now I'm thinking they're going to maybe carry the ball a bit more. So now I actually want to place a bet on you know the Bills to win and Josh Allen run the ball way more. Um, so that's kind of like we're trying to to build here, trying to make sure that it's intuitive to place the bet. Eventually, going moving forward in terms of like customer personalization, like you know, maybe some people actually are big fans of the bills, some people are actually they hate the bills, so they maybe they actually want to bet on the under regarding Josh Allen. Uh, so we are on that journey, trying to give the best experience for the in-play, and that's what the the, the numbers kind of show that there is interest for the customer to be able to like uh, take that information and place the bet. The the other key product we're trying to launch there is the, the what we call like lightning bet. And for NFL specifically what we have built up is like just bet on the, the result of the current drive. So let's say you know you you kind of like you open your CV or you bring on a streaming platform. And you watch the game and and then like you you kind of feel like the driver you know three four plays into the drive and you're thinking you know what i just do think they're gonna they're gonna actually they're gonna be a touchdown at the end of that drive, and then meaning you actually can place the bet then the, the drive gonna unfold it's a touchdown happy days you get your money and 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 everything and then you kind of keep placing another bet maybe on the next drive or you can just decide to just no Happy with your games and have a pint there. Um, so, like, we are trying to offer more in-play enjoy- enjoyment. Like, we want to add more to the game while adding more in-play markets and allowing people to just like bet on those granular aspect of the game. So, there is the drive: Are they going to cross a specific yard line, or you know, uh, for the next uh, for the next uh, rush, how many how many yards? Are they going to carry, or for the next? Like you know, what could be the longest pass in the game? Like, you know, that's the kind of market we want to offer. That's the kind of like excitement we would like to uh, to give the customer. If they only bet on the money line, really, I think it's exciting, and we want to be able to offer a very seamless experience for this. But I, I also we also believe there is more to offer to the customer.
3: And and Christoph will touch on this in a second, but obviously this is about U.S. customers as well, because, you know, points bet story in in Ireland and in Europe is not about the markets. It's about what you're building. It's about the technology. So, you know, for people uh, betting and losing at all last weekend or next weekend, you're going up against not necessarily Christoph's model, but similar models in relation to uh, how it's all built. I'm always fascinated. And thank you for breaking us down through some of that. Because I'm always fascinated about how much of a level of detail goes into the models. Because it's all well and good Like we were talking only recently about how there's been more comebacks uh, this year through 13 weeks in the NFL season than ever before in history. There's been more 10 point deficits outweighed. So of course Monday Night Football was wiped up by the Bucks, not only having a fourth quarter comeback but also wiping out 10 point deficit. Um, and but that's more a macro trend. Whereas your models going into well, hey. Is there 11 personnel or 12 personnel or 21 personnel on the field? Who's the running back? What's their, you know, past history in terms of running the ball, catching the ball, etc.? Mm-hmm. Um, If people are Seahawks fans, yes, there is no model in this world that still explains why Pete Carroll threw the ball from the one la- yard line in the Super Bowl. Uh, but, but your model explains most things.
4: I, actually, I'd say, I'd say the opposite. I'd say probably, you know, uh, I'd say there is, Probably the model would have predicted there was like maybe a one percent chance they would have gone they would have made that decision and they did just you're just living in that timeline you know and and then a
3: one percent chance that it ends in an interception as well which is the worst possible result of all of all scenarios um christophe actually coming back to and I, I touched on it a little bit as i said the, the irish and european story is about that technology provider it's about as you say the models you're building the rest of the the team are building the technology behind uh, the intelligence, I'd say, behind a lot of these aspects, uh, whereas, obviously, you're a provider in that regard to the U.S. Uh, betting industry and the market. Um, you're obviously trying to recruit and grow the team, and there's some amazing technical talent available, technology talent available in Ireland across the EU. It's a marketplace of 500-plus uh, million people. And, of course, we have about over a 1,000 tech companies in Ireland in the the native industries it will but like what would your advice be for anyone that's listening to this and saying oh, you know i have a technical background i'm, I'm like Christoph. what it was a few years ago i'm interested in sports i'm interested in the nfl um how would they get involved or where would they go to in relation to get uh, more information on what points bet do
4: well i mean there is always a website you know uh first i'll start like uh, on the points bet website and we have like the current offers but I say I'd say overall, like there is a lot of difference. Like it's not only about mathematics and statistics. Like I think there is there is a lot to cover uh, on this. Like it goes to understanding, you know, the sports, and that's more like you know the area I'm being involved in. And so like on that, I'd say really on on that point, like it's it's about having interest for math and curious, really. Uh, and then for the other type of job where like it's maybe more software uh oriented I'd say still be curious. I think curiosity is probably the key thing here. It's like if you if you're curious about uh, how things work and you want to solve issues, problems and you know you kind of want to have the jigsaw and say, mm, maybe there is another angle to this. Uh, but you also want that jigsaw to be around sports. In that case, Points is probably uh, uh the good place to be because like this is pretty much what we brief you know day in, day out. Uh we love sports here. Uh, NFL is one of them, but like you know, uh, th- there is probably more. And we are trying to have a, a vision, like uh, a global vision of it. You know, it's about understanding the sports. It's also uh, providing the, um, the best experience to the to the NFL fan, really. So, like to achieve that, there is a lot of moving parts. Uh, so. You can be a sports nerd. That's that's correct. I'm one of them. I enjoy it. Uh, But you also can try to, uh, you know, try to maybe, you know, offer like a very sick interface to like the, the betting app, or you can try to say, let's say, well, I want to really provide the best experience for the customer. So what about like a bet recommendation engine, like personalization? So like, you don't have to scroll and find the market you really want to do. It's just brought to you. So you can easily place the bet you want to uh, to want to place for that specific fixture. So like, there is a, there is there is a lot there is really a lot to cover in terms of that customer experience, and, yeah. and that's one of the key value of the company, which is like you know we want to delight our customers and we place them first and like front and center. Uh, so it's all about people
3: who have a passion for really great CX as well. Then you know. And- yeah,
4: exactly. Uh, and like offering the best spot experience possible. And I think like if you have that passion for the spots, you're probably the best place to actually offer it. So yes, there are like technical uh, component of it, but like the passion is probably the the one uh, the one thing we we all have in common in bet So like if you feel you have that passion, like I I just suggest you to apply.
1: Christopher, as the interest in the NFL continues to grow here in Ireland and around Europe, and obviously the excitement of, of placing a bet, what, what excites you most about the quant side of betting um, in for the future, what the future holds, and in particular around points bet?
4: I'd say, like the the amount of data that can, is going to be made available uh, in the coming years is going to be amazing. Like really, uh, like if you even even today, like if you think about it. You look at the NFL game and you have those Amazon next gen stats, right? That's the data we're gonna use. And you know, it means like you're able to assess in real time where are the pairs on the on the field, uh, where is the ball, how fast it's going. So that means like not only you can just also offer bets on the money line, you can offer bets on, you know, the be the, the rushing outs, but it means you you have a better comprehension of the length of the pass itself it really means you can try to understand a bit better uh, what comes from let's say the, the skill of the receiver or the skill of the passer i think that's one of the great like you know very often regarding quarterback who is the best quarterback you know they yes they throw the ball but like someone has to receive it right and then the key question is like you know who is the most talented? like we you know is tom brady great because of yes
3: yes he is just to answer that one sorry
4: <laughs> so, you know, and, and with that kind of data, you know, when you if you have that kind of data, the granularity telling you when the ball was thrown from that point of the of the pitch and you have that length of a path with that angle and with those conditions, we actually can try to abstract out and try to see, well, you know, if I look at all my data and I look at that kind of pass, regardless of the quarterback, regardless of the receiver, I kind of establish like the let's say how hard it is to catch it. Then from there, I kind of like we can try to estimate the added value of a quarterback and also the added value of a receiver. So and then ultimately you can have a way better understanding of like of everything that's happening in the game. And you also you can probably offer like very exciting bets. Like what's gonna be the longest pass of the game rather than just saying, you know, how many yards. Uh because like sometimes like you can have a Hay Mary, it goes really, really far. Like they're gonna go really deep and then throw it, like, probably, who knows, maybe more than 100 yards. So maybe you can actually bet above that mark. Um, so I think it's an interesting one Uh to just be able to offer that aspect of the game. But also, the other one is, I mean, I think you should try to put more emphasis on, like, the defensive plays. Like, myself, I enjoy way more good defense than a good offense. Maybe I'm a bit weird on this, on this front, but I, I like to put, you know, the light on, on the good defenders uh and like playing more, like have more bets being offered on that aspect you know how many sacks are mcdonald gonna have aaron donald's are gonna have like it's it's a key one but maybe we can actually highlight more of them because i think they're also a very important part of the game
3: yeah and, and you know quarterback hits and pressures and all of these new statistics that keep coming out on defense might be interesting i i must admit christoph i love that that piece because You talk about new data, and I'm a nerd for that stuff as well. So Marcus Jones the other day was the fastest skill player for the Patriots on offense all season. The only problem is he usually plays cornerback, and it was his first snap on offense of the season. So, um, But that comes from the Amazon Next Gen stats, as you say, uh, as well. And I think I saw something about Devontae Adams and the routes he runs and how far he runs and the different techniques he uses. And again, greater analytics, Amazon Next Gen and others, say you know stat line says eight catches for 177 yards but then you look behind the detail as to how and why he did that against the number one cornerback against he playing against you know puts it into even more stark contrast and everything as well so look we can't wait to see it we can't wait to see what you guys come up with then in a further sense with the opportunities of that further information really appreciate your time today and we're also really looking forward uh, it's coming out to the Points Bet offices, speaking further with the Points Bet team and a special outside broadcast we're doing at your offices during the January playoffs. Uh, want to also thank you and the team there, the whole Points Bet Europe team for the support uh on the betting pod we've had during the season. Um, in a general sense, we do want to reiterate, obviously you can't bet with Points Bet in Ireland, but if you are betting on the NFL this weekend or any weekend, please do gamble responsibly. And just to reiterate again, if you are listening to this. And you're interested in kind of like uh, this side of the business, you're interested in the various areas on the technology side or the marketing side, the CX side that Christoph's uh, Mm -hmm. uh, looking at and talking about there. Bear in mind, they're based in great new offices in Dublin here. You can go to pointsbed.ie to find out more about careers, opportunities, more about the company as well. Uh, It is, as I say, it's not about betting. It's about the technology, the systems and the great CX behind the scenes, which is what uh, Christoph and the team in Dublin uh, provide. Um, Christoph, yeah, just thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate your time and the great insight on all the different nuances that go into making up that part of an NFL weekend and Sunday for all of us. All right. Thank you for having me.